0: What does motion sound like? With Hands free shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a
1: free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com/socks. If your roof starts to leak or your floors
2: really squeak, you live in a man.
3: and floorboards to shingles. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
1: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
3: Standing by to help you tackle your home improvement projects. We're going to give you some independence as we roll through the end of the independence holiday. From those problems that have been plaguing your house, those projects that are just nagging you to get done, let us give you some independence from those. Pick up the phone and call us. We'll talk through them. We'll get the project done. We'll get you started off on the right foot, help you figure out what materials you need, what tools you need, whether they're do-it-yourself projects or not, we will help you if you pick up the phone and help yourself first by calling us at one eight 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 money pit eight 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 six 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 three nine seven four we 've got a great show planned for you first up if you 'd love to have a garden but you don 't feel like you have the space we 'll help you find that space if you simply are willing to look up. Gardening expert Melinda Myers is going to be here this hour to talk about vertical gardening a cool new trend that enables you to grow gardens with far less space than you may think is really needed.
1: And also had this hour, if it's bright and sunny outside, but dark and dreary inside, have you thought about adding a skylight? It's actually a potential do-it-yourself project with lots of styles and options to choose from. We're going to tell you how to choose the best skylight for your situation in just a bit.
3: And do you know the easiest way to get your house clean? Well, it's just sitting back and letting someone or something do it for you. And one caller this hour is going to win a very cool product that can do just that. Are
1: you going to make me clean somebody's house again? (laughs) (laughs)
3: Let's sleep for a day.
1: We're actually giving away a robotic vacuum from Neato. It's the brand new XV-21 model, and it uses laser vision. I mean, it's like a superhero vacuum to scan your room so it's not gonna smash into things or fall downstairs and it actually finds the dirt.
3: And surprise worth three hundred and ninety nine dollars gonna go out to one caller that reaches us with their home improvement question. The number is one eight 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 money pit. Leslie who's first?
1: We've got Sue from New York who's dealing with some moldy caulking. Tell us what's going on. I have a bathroom
4: that has mold all over the caulking. I've okay. tried Bleach and water, but I was wondering if there's something else I can do to get rid of the mold on
3: the caulk. Well, sometimes the mold really takes hold, literally, in the caulk and it grows into it and it discolors the caulk. So, if you've cleaned it in those traditional ways, probably not going to come out. So, I would recommend that you re caulk the bathroom tub and let me tell you how to do that successfully. First of all, you can purchase um, a product that's called a caulk softener. It's kind of like a paint softener or paint stripper, but it softens the caulk and makes it easy to get all the old stuff out of the, the tub and the joint between the tub and the tile wall and so on. Then once you've got it all out of there and all cleaned up and dried out, and I like to wipe the wall with a bleach and water solution in between just to make sure we're killing any mold spores that are left behind. The next thing that you're going to do, Sue, is fill the tub with water. And you're doing that because you're going to kind of weight it down. And then once it's filled, you can go ahead and re-caulk that seam. Now, the caulk that you use, make sure you use one that has a mildecide in it. So if you use a kitchen and bath caulk, it probably is gonna have a mildecide. I know that the DAP products have an additive called Microban. I'm sure there's others as well. And then once that caulk dries, then you let the water out of the tub because then it comes back up and compresses the caulk. And when you step in to take a shower, it doesn't causes much stress to that caulk seam between the tub and the wall, and it stays in place. So again, if you've already cleaned it, it's probably uh, a foregone conclusion that you're not going to be able to get that mold out of the old caulk. I would just replace it. It's not a hard hard job, and it'll look really nice when you're done. Okay?
4: Very good. Thank you very much. I really appreciate all your help.
3: Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit.
1: Catherine in Rhode Island's on the line with a leaky roof. Tell us about the problem, Catherine. Um, I have a a small uh,
5: hole like in the ceiling in the corner of uh, the back of the house. And um, I was just wondering if uh, when I go to have it replaced, uh, how much of the plaster they're going to have to take down.
3: So you say it's a small hole. So this is a hole that was caused by water damage?
5: Uh, Yes. It's um, coming from the roof. I'm going to have to have a new roof also.
3: How old is the roof that you have now?
5: Uh, the roof is about 20 years old.
3: Okay. Well, it might be at the end of a normal life cycle. Uh, in terms of that, that ceiling space, um, you don't have to take a lot down. How, how big is the hole that you have right now?
5: I would say it's about uh, eight inches across.
3: Eight by what?
5: It's just like a slit. So there's nothing open. It's just like a crack. Yes, it's like a crack, and then and uh, water drips, but just from one area. It's just like a sl- you
3: know a little drip. If it's not swollen or deformed in any way, then what you can do is you can add drywall tape across that crack, which would be perforated. You use it looks kind of like a mesh. It's a little sticky and it's like a mesh and then you spackle over the tape. And so you can basically spackle this crack closed and then prime it and paint it without having to replace any of the drywall.
5: Oh, really? Oh. Well, thank you very much. I, I thought I'd have to replace the whole ceiling.
3: No, nah, I don't let the contractors tell you it's any more than that. It's a real simple repair. If it's just a crack, it can be spackled, primed, painted, and you're good to go.
5: Well, thank you very much. And I just want to add, I love listening to your show. I learned so much. I listen to it every Saturday night.
3: Well, thank you very much, Catherine. We really appreciate it. Thanks again for calling us at 888 Money Pit.
1: You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Now, you can call in your home repair, your home improvement, design, decor, whatever it is you are working on, inside or out. We are here for you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Just pick up the phone and give us a call at 888-MONEYPIT.
3: 888-666-3974. Well, we enjoy the warm weather, but with that warm weather comes mosquitoes. Up next, we're going to have a stylish solution that can help you keep them away.
5: This is Jeopardy! Uh, I'll take a wasteful to money 1,000.
0: This phrase for a house that keeps needing costly repairs is also the name of a home improvement radio show. Alex. What is a money pit? Good. 888-MONEY-PIT! wood staining projects in just one day with new flood one coat waterproofing finish better yet let us do it for you if you win the take it easy sweepstakes we will no purchase necessary see flood.com for official rules and to enter
3: Where home solutions live. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
1: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
3: Give us a call right now. The number is 1-888-MONEYPIT. One lucky caller will never have to vacuum again. If that's you, you could win the XV21 Robotic Vacuum from Neato. It's a high-tech, powerful little sucker that you can program to clean while you are away. So you can come home, perhaps from work, to a very clean floor. It's worth $399. going to go out to one caller. That reaches us with their home improvement question. The number is one eight 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 Money Pit.
1: Now we've got David in Tennessee on the line, who's looking at changing out a water heater. How can we help you with that project?
6: I'm um, changing out a tank electric water heater, but the idea is to change out electric for electric, but get one of these energy saving wall mounted ones. And if I do that, what uh, what anticipated payback period do I want to be looking at?
3: Well, I think you're talking about a tankless uh, water heater. And the problem is that electric water heaters um, are not necessarily very efficient as tankless water heaters. If only gas, either propane or natural gas, um, can only by using those fuels can you get a very efficient tankless water heater. What you can do, however, is you could switch from a standard electric water heater to what's called a heat pump water heater. That's the newest uh, line of efficiencies uh, in electric water heaters. And heat pump water heaters use a uh, refrigeration system to basically deliver hot water uh, when it can, and then has an electric backup. Uh, in terms of the payback on that, compared to a standard water heater, I think that you will get a decent payback on that. But keep in mind that they're going to be more expensive in terms of the payment, the initial uh, uh, purchase. Okay.
6: So what I had looked at was going to be somewhere between $900 and $1,200, depending on the volume, you know, and so I'm thinking. Well, yeah, I make the $1,200 investment. So, if I were to do that, how many years would I be looking at? Do you guess?
3: Well, first of all, I don't know if you were looking at a heat pump water heater. It sounds to me like you were looking at an electric tankless water heater, which is not very efficient. So, okay,
6: uh, that is correct. Yes, sir. Yeah.
3: That said, um, you know, a water heater, a heat pump water heater is going to last you probably a good 15 or 20 years. They'll they'll last a little bit longer, I think, than a standard tank water heater would.
6: Okay. Well, I just know it's the right thing to do. It's the, the right direction in which to head, um, you know, for the sake of the planet. But I also have to work within my own budget.
3: <laughs> Absolutely. Well, glad to help you out, David. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit.
1: Well, if you enjoy the great outdoors and love to bring that fresh air into your home as much as possible, you need to be careful not to pull mosquitoes into your home at the same time, because mosquitoes, they're really more than just pesky. You know, they can actually carry diseases such as West Nile virus and encephalitis. And one terrific solution is a product called Phantom
3: Screens. Now, Phantom Screens is a brand new sponsor of The Money Pit, and they make retractable screens. And this is very cool, because unlike traditional screens... Phantom screens are mounted on your home's exterior and they're stored out of sight. They simply retract into a very discreet housing when they're not in use. And that means you will have your view when you want it.
1: Mm -hmm. Now, if you're really looking for the best mosquito protection, Phantom recommends a small mesh, which is going to protect against even the tiniest of insects. In fact, there are actually about 30 different mesh types available from mesh size to the color and even the type of screen. And Phantom can recommend the exact type of mesh that will best suit your needs. So they really remove all the guesswork.
3: Take a look at them online. The website is phantomscreens.com. That's phantom, P-H-A-N-T-O-M, screens.com. They are beautiful.
1: Now we're heading on over to Michigan where Rogers got a door problem. Tell us what's going on at your money pit.
2: Yeah, I have a mid-70s uh, ranch style house. It uh, has all maple doors on the interior. And we're just putting paint on here for the first time. It's been white all along, and I'm putting color into it. And these doors just don't look right. And I wondered what kind of uh, alternative I have to making them look different besides swapping them out for six panels or whatever and, you know, exchanging them all out. But I I don't want to go to that expense.
3: Okay, so the doors are, are wood doors, and have they ever been painted before, or are they finished clear?
2: No, they're finished though, with maple for their maple, you know, pressed doors or whatever. Or I don't know what they called them back then. But
3: And so you say they don't look right against the painted walls? Is that your concern?
2: Oh, they might to somebody, but I just, I'm, I'm doing the trim in, in bright white and, uh, It just doesn't look right with the colors on the walls and everything.
3: Typically, you would not do the trim. The trim would be natural as well.
2: Well, it would have been, yeah. But that's not how the house was originated. Yeah, that would be a way to do is change out the trim, but that's
3: not. Well, that's a lot less work than changing out the doors. And you would have a lot of options if you were to change out the trim. So it may not look right to you because you have painted trim and you have uh, a a clear finished door. But if the trim is really the missing perimeter to this that's going to frame it all in there nicely. Why don't you do this? Why don't you go pick up a couple of pieces of trim and lightly tack them around the door without even taking off the old stuff? Just kind of stick it up there, step back, take a look at it, and see if it starts to make more sense to you visually. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. All right, take small steps that way. And the other thing to keep in mind when you're doing a project like this, Gene, is just remember... Once you paint, it's going to look different. So that's going to take a certain amount of getting used to.
2: You're right about that, also.
3: All right, so I would go out and pick up some trim, tack it up there, see how it looks. Maybe try a complementary color. You know, you could you could do a two tone, something like that, and uh, and see if that does the trick for you. Okay. Well, that's a good idea. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit.
1: Martha in Washington, you've got the Money Pit. How can we help you today? I had throw rugs on my kitchen and
5: bathroom floor and the backing, you know, had turned yellow from being washed so many times. And the yellow uh, from the backing went onto to the linoleum
3: and it I not get it off. Yeah. And you know why, Martha? Why? Because the yellow didn't go from the throw rug to the linoleum. When you put a rubber back throw rug on linoleum, you get a chemical reaction called oxidation that physically changes the color of both products. Oh. And so what you have is a stained, a permanently stained floor. You're not gonna be able to clean it. You have to replace it. And you know, when you buy new linoleum, some of the manufacturers even warn you about this because so many of us like those rubber back throw rugs as a place to stand on, you know, near the sinker and whatnot. Well,
1: and you're not gonna go slipping and sliding. Yeah,
3: exactly. But it's it's really bad for that kind of floor.
1: I see. Okay, I guess I'm stuck. Well, you can always get a bigger rug. Yeah, that's right.
3: You yeah, okay. cover the stain. <laughs> Martha, thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit.
1: Robert in Illinois is on the line and looking to paint a brick home. Tell us what's going on and why you want to do that.
6: Just curious about it. Uh, I didn't know if I was going to pull the trigger on something like that or not because I'm very ignorant about it. Um,
3: well, it's a it's a big decision, Robert, because you, know yeah, you, yeah. you know what comes after paint? Repaint. Uh, repaint, yes,
6: yes. <laughs> And again, so, I was looking for some more advice. Um, there's a, uh, a coating outfit here uh, where I'm at. I'm in uh, East Central Illinois. Um, the company's called Rhino Coat or something. I think it's a, a ceramic-based paint. Yeah, don't do and, it. Uh, okay. Don't do it.
1: But why do you want to paint the brick? Was it previously painted and it has like, you know, a shadowing no, no, effect no, or no, you just don't like no, it? No,
6: it, it's, it's just, we bought the home. It's, well, it's very well built. Um, and, you know, we're... Tastes are changing and uh, we're considering moving or we're going to stay. And I think we were just considering the idea of painting. And uh, I've seen other places that were painted and they turned out very nice. Um, right. I guess I, I'm not much, uh, I don't mind working.
3: Well, but yeah, but it's a big, it's a big commitment and you know, you will have to repaint it every, every, you know, seven years. So I would tell you yeah. that there's really no good reason to paint brick. Okay. If you don't like the look. You can paint all the trim. You can use beautiful shutters. You Ed can use shutters,
1: planter planters. boxes.
3: Right. Look for right. other ways to decorate around it.
1: I personally would not paint brick, especially if you're considering selling at some point because a brick home is a standout feature to a buyer. People are looking for mason homes, You know, masonry products that are going to stand up and really look fantastic. And a brick, you know, a brick home is a big selling point. And once you right. put paint on a brick home, it never comes off. You're gonna have to sandblast it, and, and even then, and then it's gonna get a shadowing, and it's damaged. And say you were right. to paint it yourself, you're gonna take a gallon of paint, put it on that brick, and it's gonna get sucked into the brick, and then you're gonna put another gallon, and right. another, and another. Right. I wouldn't do it.
6: No, I, I appreciate it. I, I didn't know I was gonna pull the trigger on it like tomorrow. I was, I was just kicking around the idea, and I want I just stumbled on your show. Uh, I think it was last week or so, and um, and this was an idea that just floated in the back of my my mind. It was never going to be in the forefront. I was just, I figured as much. Yours is uh, the same advice I'm getting. Uh, I've gotten from others.
3: All right. Well, so, we're we're happy to keep it in the back of your mind, <laughs> far back. <laughs> yeah, you know,
6: no, 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 it's, it, It'll stay there.
3: All right, Robert. Well, good luck with that project, and uh, remember, there's a lot of other ways to change the look of the outside of the house besides painting that brick.
1: All right, now we've got Michael on the line giving us a call from Michigan with a washing machine drain issue. Tell us what's going on.
2: What happens when the washing machine drains out, uh, it plugs up the sink in the other room. It runs through. It seems like the, all oh, the two lines are connected somehow, but it backs all the way up into the kitchen
6: sink.
3: Right. So what's happening is there's a clog somewhere down the line. And whenever you run the washing machine, the water drains down, hits that clog, can't get through it, and then backs up. Now, have you ever had the line snaked out?
2: What we did, we had a guy go down there, down underneath the house, and look at it. And he says uh, where that line enters into uh, go into the sewage pipe. Right. It tees off. Right. And he, and he can only and he can't get the, the snake any farther in there.
6: Than the T because it runs into a T,
1: mm-hmm. okay. and then it can't get down there.
3: Well, I mean, if if I was a uh, a drain cleaner, I would probably be opening up the pipe somewhere near that T, and then going down from there. It may not be the easiest thing to do, but I suspect that there's got to be a blockage there somewhere, uh, because that's that's what you're describing. You're describing a line blockage that's causing the water back up, and if you get to the bottom of that line blockage, then that's going to solve the problem. Michael, thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Up next, growing your own food can provide great nutrition and family fun. But if you think you don't have the space for a garden, think again. We're going to tell you how vertical gardening is helping millions of folks create their very own veggie walls after this. Homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And you know, growing your own food does deliver great nutrition because it's always fresh. And of course, it's fun for the entire family. Well, maybe except for the weeding. But if you've been resisting creating a garden because you feel like you don't have a space, there is another way to do that. And it's called vertical gardens. It allows you to go up instead of out.
1: That's right. And we're talking about vertical gardens, or even they've been known as green walls in the past. And gardening expert and author Melinda Myers is joining us now with more on this practical, and I've got to say, beautiful trend. Welcome.
0: Thank you so much. And it's always great to chat with you and help Spread the enthusiasm and joy of gardening. And even weeding can be fun if you're having a bad day. (laughs) Rip those weeds out, you'll feel much better.
3: Yeah, I'm sure it's good exercise. Well, let's talk about vertical gardens and, and vegetables, using them for vegetables. First of all, let's define what is a vertical garden, Melinda?
0: You know, a lot of people use that term, and some may be thinking of training cucumbers and squash up on a trellis. But really, the trend right now is to have a garden on the wall of a fence, on the wall of your house or your shed, so you're truly saving space. It's a great way to elevate the garden. So if you have a bad back or bad knees, you bring the garden right up to hand level and eye level for visibility, and it definitely saves space, as you mentioned before. And you may see it in a lot of places around the country, and some people are even using it as an energy saver because if you shade the wall, You need less air conditioner to keep your house cool in the summer and in some areas can even insulate it a bit in the winter so you use less heat.
1: And is this strictly an exterior application or could you do a smaller you know, maybe brighter annual sort of collection, do it on an interior wall as well?
0: You know, there are a lot of people that interior scaping was popular in the late 70s. I think it's making a bit of a comeback now. And I think green walls are part of the reason because there's new devices like woolly pockets, and these are felt like fabric pockets with a rubber lining that you can grow plants. There are some systems that have built-in water-catching devices, so you water your green wall from the top, the water percolates through to water the plants, but there's a pan underneath it, catches the water, in some cases could even recirculate, or at least protects your furniture and floors from damage. So when you move inside, you want to make sure that you're not damaging anything below with that water coming through.
3: Now, what can you actually grow in a vertical garden? Uh, Is there no limit here to what types of plants? I mean, obviously, some plants have bigger root systems than others. And if you constrict those roots, I imagine you don't get the vegetables to grow very well. But what are good vegetable choices to uh, use vertical gardens for?
0: You know, a couple of things, and you're right, you want to think about things that really are going to fit the space because that means less work for you. You know, I know gardeners cram a lot of big plants into small containers, but you have to water and fertilize more often. Things that work really well are things like lettuce. It looks pretty, too. Greens. You want to look for heat-tolerant greens when you're doing summer gardening, great in spring and fall when the temperatures are cool. You can even do radishes or beets, you know, because they're pretty small. be fun harvesting those out, the magic of what's growing underneath. So anything with a smaller scale, hot peppers, you know, especially the ornamental peppers, they're edible, but they're very, very hot. So you want to use those carefully.
1: Now, is there any special care or do we sort of treat this as like a hanging potted plant? Would it need an extra amount of water because it's not sitting in as much soil as it normally would be?
0: You're absolutely right. So what we want to do is a well-drained potting mix so that not only does it hold moisture, but it drains well. And because it is a smaller volume of soil, you want to look for drought-tolerant plants, we'll talk about, you know, like sedums do well too, and then incorporating a slow-release fertilizer, something like malorganite, that releases a little bit of nutrients every time you water. I'm a low-input gardener, so I love to garden, but if I can make one job easier, I have more time to do the ones I like. So mixing a slow-release fertilizer into your potting mix before planting really reduces your maintenance. Then if you need to do a mid-season boost, you can either sprinkle that on the top Or, you know, some people will use um, a a soluble fertilizer, something you can water in. So a little more fertilizer because it's less potting mix to hold the nutrients. So you want to keep an eye on it and let your plants be your guide because you want to make sure that you're not overdoing it because you can burn the plants. And if your plants look a little stunted, look like they need a little bit of a boost, it might be time to give it another bit of fertilizer. And check your watering daily twice a day in really hot, dry weather.
3: Great advice. Gardening expert Melinda Myers, thanks so much for stopping by the Money Pit. Uh, Melinda's website is simply melindamyers.com and her latest book, check it out, Can't Miss Small Space Gardening is available at gardening centers and at amazon.com. Thanks, Melinda. Thank
1: you. Have a great growing season. Well, do you have a room that feels dark or claustrophobic? You know, you can actually increase the natural light in that space, which will cure all of those problems with the room by installing a skylight. Now, there's a lot of different types, so we are going to help you figure out which one is right for you after this. You
2: live in
0: projects in just one day with new flood one coat waterproofing finish better yet let us do it for you if you win the take it easy sweepstakes we will no purchase necessary see flood.com
1: for official rules and to enter
3: making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
1: And I'm Leslie Segretti. Hey, pick up the phone. Give us a call at 888 Money Pit. We are giving away a little glimpse into the future of house cleaning this hour. That's right. We've got Rosie from the Jetsons up for grabs. Now, <laughs> we've got a neato robotic vacuum, and it's actually a fully automatic way to clean flooring because it's going to know when it's on a wood floor, whether it's on carpet or tile, and it will adjust its sucking needs automatically. And when the floor are clean, it actually returns to its hub to charge. So it goes home when it's done. You don't even have to kick it out or give it any money. It's awesome. How cool is that? It's worth 399 bucks. So give us a call for your chance to win. The number here Money Pit eight 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 six 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 three
3: nine seven four.
1: Robert in Indiana is on the line. How can we help you today?
6: Got a home built in the mid-70s. Has a one-piece fiberglass tub shower unit in one of the bathrooms. Developed a crack in the, right in the stress point in the middle. Right. Um, Any way of repairing this, it appears that the gentleman that built this house must have put the tub in and then built the bathroom around it because yeah. There's no without tearing this up into small pieces, there's no way I can get it out of the bathroom.
3: Yeah, you can head on over to the local auto uh, repair uh, auto parts store, and yeah. you can pick up um, some Bondo. And you could repair it with that or with a fiberglass uh, patch kit. I mean, basically, you can do a fiberglass repair to this with resin and then fiberglass material and more resin on top of that. Now, the thing is, it's not going to look totally, you know, <laughs> like the old one did. It'll be you'll be very obvious that there's a patch. But I've actually repaired uh, fiberglass shower pans using uh, more fiberglass material. It does a good job. It's, you know, kind of like repairing a boat.
6: I appreciate that a lot. I'll try that before I tear the wall out in the bathroom.
3: <laughs> there you go. You got nothing to lose, right?
6: No, nothing to lose.
3: All right, Robert. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. Yeah, you can you can repair fiberglass shower pans and fiberglass tubs with uh, with Bondo and or uh, fiberglass uh, repair material. It does it does a really good job. Well, it seems that just about everyone has a room in their home that lacks any sense of spectacular. And one way to remedy that is to install a skylight. Now, skylights can make rooms seem larger. They can vent excessive heat. And they can let you stargaze from perhaps your favorite indoor spot or even your easy chair. But before you install one, you need to know which kind of skylight to get.
1: That's right. Now, if you're after ventilation, you want to make sure that you get one that opens easily. And if it's going to be in a very high ceiling, remote controlled options are available. And they can even be programmed to just open up automatically at certain temperatures. Now, the most important consideration may be the glass. If you've got a skylight that's going to be under a tree limb or anything that could possibly fall on it, you need to make sure that you get tempered glass. In fact, your building code may even just simply require it. Plus, you want to be sure to order low-E glass, which will prevent the summer sun from simply overheating the room below it.
3: And don't feel the need to go big, by the way. Even the smallest skylight can add light and let you really count the stars, while you're perhaps lying in bed. And by the way, there are some very small options and even some that are very do-it-yourself friendly, like, for example, the sun tunnels, which are light tubes that connect uh, a solar collector at the roof right through down the attic space and into a room below. So it lets in natural light. So another way to have more natural light in your room. And again, a very DIY-friendly project. Learn more about all of these options at moneypit.com.
1: All right, now we've got Alyssa in North Carolina who's dealing with a painted garage. Tell us what you're working on. Well, I have
4: a garage door, and it's it's wood, but then it's kind of like a panel door, so there's insert pieces, and the insert pieces are some kind of pressed wood or particle board or something like that.
1: Okay. Okay.
4: And the the door, the garage door was starting to peel, and uh, the paint was starting to come off. So I went ahead and started stripping it with a scraper, not with any chemicals. And I found the wood underneath there, and now the wood is fuzzy, is the best way I can describe it. Fuzzy? And, yeah, it's it's like it's kind of coming off um, in pieces. But it's not rotted. It's not... You know, it's not something where it's rotted wood where I could put my finger through it or put a pen into it or anything like that. I,
3: I don't think it's wood. I think it sounds like a hard board or press board. Okay. And that's a hard one to, to refinish. Mm-hmm. So why not just paint it?
4: That, that's fine. I can do that. I just didn't know if that was the best way to do it. Do I just go ahead and I think and do so, but really what I would do first primer? is... If,
3: Yeah, I would definitely prime it. I would lightly sand it, and I would use a primer. And if you want to be absolutely certain that you get good adhesion, use an oil-based primer. It's a little more work and a little more expense, uh, but it definitely Uh will give you the best adhesion to this uncertain wood surface. And then the Uh top coat will lay real nice on top of that.
4: Okay. Yeah, because I'm just trying to... I don't know why anyone in the world would put a wood garage door in North Carolina. Um, (laughs) Or anywhere, really. They just... It didn't make sense to me, but right. I'm trying to get it to last at least another five years, you know, four years maybe. Um, so at least if I can get it decent looking for that long, I'd be happy.
3: Well, it sounds like a plan.
4: Okay. So an oil-based, prim- lightly sand oil-based primer and then a good top coat. Correct. Awesome. Okay. Thank you very
3: much. You're welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit.
1: Randy in Wisconsin's got a roof mold question. What can we do for you today?
4: Well, I was just wondering, I heard on a previous show that if you put a copper strip up at the top of your asphalt shingles, it will help eliminate moss, mold, and mildew. That's correct. I was wondering if a bare copper wire would do the same thing.
3: Now, probably not enough copper there. What you want is uh, a piece of copper flashing. That's the easiest thing to find. You can probably find it at a roofing supply house. But but here's the thing. There are other things you can do to, to, to avoid the buildup of the algae Um, on your roof. First of all, if your roof is very shaded, you can cut back some trees, let a little more natural sunlight get in just to kind of thin out those trees so that the sun gets through. That will help. Um, Secondly, you can uh, put a product on called Wet and Forget, which is really easy to do. You mix the solution up and you spray it on the roof, and you let it sit there, and it activates with the sun, sunshine, and then it will kill the uh, the, the moss and such that's stuck up there. Then the last thing is you can add that copper strip to the top of the roof, and the reason you do that is because when it rains, the copper releases uh, some of its its minerals, and that actually acts as a mildicide.
4: Okay. righty. Thank you.
3: You're welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Up next, you have a deck. It is certainly the season to get out and enjoy it. Well, whether you have one or you're thinking about building one, we're going to give you some tips on the care and maintenance of that deck next. You
2: live in a Money Pit.
3: good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
1: And I'm Leslie Segretti. And hey, we want to introduce you guys to our newest expert community member, Jeff May. Now, Jeff is a good friend of ours, and he's an indoor air expert who has literally written the book on mold.
3: Many books on mold, actually, yeah.
1: Yes, seriously, including this one you may have heard of, My House is Killing Me. We've turned to him so many times for his advice on sick houses, and now you can ask him your questions directly. Just visit MoneyPit.com and become a member of our community.
3: And while you're online, post your questions there. Any question, whether it's a mold question or a question like Marty had, who wants to ask a question about staining a new deck. Marty says, recently I added on to an existing deck. The old deck is stained a dark brown. The new deck is made of pressure treated lumber. I was told I'd have to wait a full year before staining the new deck to try and match the old. Is this true? Well, okay. Well, first of all, it's not necessarily true that you have to wait a full year to apply a finish to even newer pressure-treated lumber. If it's really wet, because sometimes pressure-treated is re- really wet, I would let it dry out for a couple of weeks in the sunshine, Marty, but I don't think you have to wait a full year. Now, in terms of staining, uh, you're going to have to stain both the old and the new deck to get them to kind of match. I don't think you're going to get away with just doing one and not the other unless the old one was done very, very Recently, because they're going to have different absorption rates. And I think if you do it uh, all together, uh, you're going to get the best overall look. And uh, speaking of absorption rates, let's avoid the issue of one being dark, one being lighter by using solid color stain. Now, solid color stain is better than semi-transparent because it's got more pigment. It lasts longer. In your case, it will definitely have both the old and the new deck looking like they uh, belong together.
1: All right, next up, we've got a post from Jeffrey in Maine who wrote, I've noticed what appears to be rot around the bottom of my wood siding. I noticed it after my wife put in plants right up next to the wall. Could the plants have caused it? And what do I do (laughs) about it?
3: Did she put in those rotted plants again?
1: Can I blame my wife? And if so, how?
3: (laughs) It's not your wife's fault, Jeffrey. Maybe you should have picked up a paintbrush a bit more frequently. If you put in uh, big bushes that created a lot of shade and increased the humidity, um, that could uh, accentuate any decay that's going on down there. But this just might be a case that you're looking at the beautiful plants that your wife thoughtfully put in there next to your rotted siding and remind yourself that you need to make that repair, get a fresh coat of paint on so it doesn't decay any further.
1: Mm-hmm. And remember, if you're watering those plants, just be careful not to put extra water against your house. Let's keep it where we need it on the plants.
3: Well, if you've got the space for it, a playset or a deck is a great addition to your backyard. But if you're going to build one yourself, you want to make sure you use the right type of wood. Leslie tells us why in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word.
1: That's right. If you're thinking about building a deck or a backyard playset this summer, you want to make sure that you use a sturdy wood that's resistant to decay and to pests because both can wreak a lot of havoc on anything that you build out of lumber. Now, because you want to be cautious in the lumber that you choose, you want to think about it because, remember, chemicals are used in treated wood. They can leach out and then pollute the surrounding ground and possibly endanger your family's health. So for decks and playground equipment, you want to consider using reclaimed cedar or redwood because both of those are naturally resistant to fungus and insects. You can even opt for recycled plastic lumber, which is great for the environment because you're not cutting down any new trees, but you still get a sturdy, durable product. So get out there, build some projects, and enjoy your yard this season.
3: Good advice. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Coming up next week on the program, you can get one room in your house cool without breaking the bank or wasting power with mini duct air conditioners. Interesting technology that works super well. It'll be a great solution for a warm house this summer. We'll tell you how on the next edition of The Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler.
1: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
3: Remember, you can do it yourself.
1: But you don't have to do it alone.